You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Um, This is a verse we hear every single Sunday, right? Uh, The summary of the law. Words that God himself first spoke to Moses and that Moses then relayed to the people, as we heard in our reading from Deuteronomy chapter 6, 1,500 years before uh, Jesus Christ came. Words which our Lord Jesus selects as the first commandment, by first is meant the foundation, like what's the thing on which everything else is built? What's the, the most important, the lodestone of all the commandments? They're famous words. Um, but I wonder, as I was preparing for the sermon, I thought to myself, how often do I really stop and think about the meaning of those words that we hear every Sunday? What, more specifically, what does it look like to either obey or disobey this commandment, which, if it's the most important commandment, should be something on my mind. And I admit to you, I have not often thought, oh, am I obeying the first commandment? I wish that, I realized sort of in preparing for this week, this needs to be more part of my life. Right? If this is the most important commandment, this is the one I should be kind of holding up as a mirror and checking myself against. It occurred to me that um, even though this is the most important, it hasn't filtered into sort of our normal way of describing the Christian life. That most of us, and I know almost all of you, um, would say readily, right, I am a Christian, yeah, I go to church regularly, Um, I believe in Jesus Christ, and that's all great and true. But where is the sort of regular confession of, oh yeah, I love God, I love God. I I don't think, I, I very rarely have heard anyone say that, I admit I've not even said it very much myself. But if this is the first commandment, that should actually be a normal thing, as normal as to say, I follow Christ. I love God. Like his first commandment, I'm trying to keep that. I'm trying to love God. I think um, there's something a bit almost embarrassingly intimate about saying that sentence, I love God. But I actually think that's the point. I think that's what Jesus is getting at. That the thing that we're called into when we seek to obey God is something that is sort of embarrassingly intimate in the eyes of the world, as intimate as love. I want to uh, try and, in a small way, remedy maybe a, a corporate and I admit my own lack of attention to this commandment by just sort of unpacking its meaning for us this morning. What is Jesus actually commanding us to do? So looking at the, um, the four things... Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, your mind, and your strength. Um, Which is a pretty comprehensive breakdown, right? Different philosophies and different times have used different words to describe the human person, um, right? We would say sort of body and mind and, you know, we use different words sometimes. But the point is, it's every part of you, right? What's visible, what's invisible, that there's no aspect of human existence with which God is not commanding us to love him with it. That's why there's this sort of comprehensive list. In the ancient world, this is an all-encompassing list. There's nothing excluded. And note that it's not just um, love God with all these parts. It's with all your heart and and all your soul and your mind and all your strength. God's saying his 
command us to love him with every part of every part of us. Right? It's so, such a comprehensive calling. So I want to look at, um, briefly at each part individually. What does it mean to love God with all your heart? When we hear the heart, we think of feelings, right? Um, and the funny thing about feelings is they can't be conjured. You can't just say to yourself, like, I'm really going to feel warm feelings to that person. <laughs> right? Feelings don't really work that way. Um, so we can't conjure feelings. But surely, uh, in any truly loving relationship, there are sometimes feelings of love, right? And I would offer that that should be true with our relationship with God as well. Not all the time, maybe, but there should sometimes be feelings of love toward God. I would invite you to reflect, of, have you ever felt that feeling? Uh, and if you haven't, um, do you want to feel that feeling? Is that even something you want to experience in the Christian life? A sense of the love of God. Uh, of course, in the biblical understanding, the heart is more than just the seat of feelings. It's actually chiefly the seat of the will. The seat of the will. And that's what this commandment really nails on the head, is love God with your will, with your choices, inward choices, outward choices in the midst of the day. And, and this is where we see the synthesis that Jesus offers in John chapter 14, that Loving God and obeying God are really different sides of the same coin. They're of a piece, that they're connected. Because to obey is to, lo- is to follow God with your will. To say, yes, God, you said, you said do that, then I'll do it. That's actually the only metric Jesus gives us to know. I didn't know that's not true. There's two things he says to know if we're loving God. In the Gospel it says, obey his commandments. And in First John it says, love other people. Right? Those are the two metrics. That's why Jesus put these commandments together. Right? Love God and, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if you ask the question, well, how do I love God? How do I know if I love God? Feelings alone would not be the truest indicator. The truest indicator would be, well, am I obeying him? And am I loving my neighbor? That's sort of how we can diagnose even our own, the state of our relationship with God. We show God we love him with our wills when we make our will conform to his will, right? That's obedience. It's not just sort of a dutiful, like, yes, sir, although that's the first part of obedience. It's with our will saying, Lord, I want what you want in my life, in the world you've placed me in. And the rub here is, is constancy, right? Not just when it's pleasing, not just when I feel like I really want to follow God today, not just when it aligns with what I would have done already, but actually where the rubber really meets the road is when those things are not the case. Right? Will I obey God even when it's not what I want to do? That is when obedience really shows itself, which is when love really shows itself. And we know this in human relationships, right? Like, um, it is a welcome gift, but a small gift when a best friend or a spouse does something for you which they were going to do already. Right? But when they do something which you know they hate to do, uh, and they did it because they love you, it's like, oh, wow. That's a really kind gift. That's, that's love right there. Um, same thing with God. Love him with all our heart, and then he says to love him with all your soul. And I think what's meant here is all of the invisible parts of us, the stuff that is always operating behind the scenes. Creativity, imagination, memories, and which ones we choose to access, uh, our worship and our interior sort of affections, all those things which they manifest in words and deeds, but they're always happening kind of in, in here, to love God with what is invisible about us. 
think for a second, what would it look like to try and love God with your creative faculties, with which memories you sort of dwell on and, and sort of put at the center of your thought life, with how you imagine things. I think this is one of the arenas in which the letter of the law no longer can speak to us. All of these things are so subtle and particular to each of our stories. But I, so I just asked the question vaguely and rhetorically, what would it look like to honor God with your creativity, with your reflective life. Love the Lord with God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. That is, with all of our thinking and our understanding, the intellectual part of us. Now, I wonder um, how many of you eagle eyes notice that in Deuteronomy, the word mind isn't mentioned. Did any of you notice that? I know, it slips by very fast in that list. Um, it's not mentioned in Deuteronomy, and I think the reason there is Deuteronomy uses the word soul, which in Deuteronomy is a Hebrew word, right? It means the word nefesh. And I think Jesus is saying, to capture the true meaning of that word, I'm going to use two different Greek words, soul and mind. Um, and so that's what he offers here, to show us that our intellectual life is also a part of our loving God. I think... Um, Whereas it's more easy to see how we obeying God, like with our wills, here again we're in sort of ground which only God knows right now and won't be certainly plain till Judgment Day. But I think it's a very it needs to be a very careful thing what it looks like to love God with our minds, not just in the content of what we think about, but even how we regard our own thinking, how we think, and when we think. I think in all of these aspects we have the possibility of loving God. And I want to say too that being a Christian necessarily means to encourage the life of the mind. It was Christians who invented universities, right? They were born out of monasteries. That wasn't a secular idea. That was because Christians in a time when the world was fairly dim intellectually in the West were, said, no, 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 the life of the mind is an important way in which we honor God in the content of what we think about, right? If you are in love with a person, you think about them a lot. should be the same thing with God. He should regularly be stepping into our thought life. And the things of him, and that list in Philippians, right? Whatever is pure and lovely and excellent, be thinking about those things. So we love God with our content, but also um, how we carry our intellectual life. Right? Paul says knowledge puffs up. That there's a way of sort of holding our opinions that sort of puts too much stock in them and is sort of proud and puffed up. And that's the great temptation of the life of the mind is to make too much of it. Right? You can either err by ignoring the life of the mind or, or making too much of it. So holding our thoughts in a lowly manner, in a humble manner, um, is one of the ways we can honor God. Actually, the one is we can love God with all our minds. Uh, I had a professor once who said, that when we um, hear the Bible and obey it, we actually have access to omniscience. And he teased that out to say that um, God is all-knowing, right? And God, in his all-knowingness, chose to reveal some very specific things to us. When we claim those as our own, we're actually inhabiting the mind of God. We're actually tapping into a depth of knowledge and wisdom infinitely beyond what we would be capable of. And that's why Christian knowledge, so-called, has nothing to do with IQ or academic training or anything like that. It's actually a matter of how much am I inhabiting the mind of Christ? How much have I really drunk from the well of the scriptures? 
Um, I, I forget which church father it is, but I think it was Tertullian who said, a, a Christian old lady knows more about God than Aristotle. Right? And, and it's true that if, you, if you've received the scriptures, you're much smarter than the wisest man of the world. And I think one of the other ways that I see lived out is lived out that we can love God with our minds is when um, God's thoughts and the wisest thoughts of the world come into clash to to know to pick the right side on that clash to say, well, Lord, the smartest people in the world said this is true, but you said this is true, so I'll, I'll heed what you say, and and to lay and to let go of the other thing. To love God in that way with our minds, with all of our minds. I think it's the case, and we see this sort of in the history of ideas as they progress, that what looks like the smartest idea in the world right now is often overturned in the next generation. (laughs) And that actually we can see big picture as Christians, all knowledge will ultimately either orbit back to God and be true or, or not and prove to be false. So we can trust God in that way as well. To love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. And, and, and note the sequence of this, right? Kind of moving from inner to outer, like with your will, where love begins, with a choice to say, God, I'll, I'll, love, I'll obey you. Kind of filters into the unseen parts of our thinking and our imagination and then into our conscious, rational thoughts, the life of the mind. There's kind of a sequence here, the culmination of which is love God with all your strength. Your outward actions, all these things that have taken place inwardly with your will, your soul, your mind, will become concrete with the actions of your body. You could translate the word strength, all your vigor, all your energy and labor. Um, The Hebrew dictionary says all your muchness, which is a great, great word. And I think, again, this is an aspect we don't often think about. We think about loving God sort of within receive proportions like well certainly I love God by giving him my Sunday morning and that's great thanks be to God for loving God by giving him your Sunday morning but the command is all your strengths right and I think about anytime we see someone who is all consumed with anything it it filters in throughout their whole life right if you meet anyone who goes kind of crazy about marathons every meal is like they have in view every, every like free minute of every day they're trying to think through how they can structure their runs they're giving all their strength to the success of that marathon right? we have ready paradigms for this I, you know, if you're a stock trader I know stock traders who get up super early in the morning to read all these things so that they can do the best trading they can do that day you know, they give it all their strength uh, and that's what God calls us to in our Christian life too to give him all of our strength from our, the moment our eyes wake up in the morning until uh, we close them at night, right? when, when our strength is operative. To give him our strength. That in all of our labors, as, as Paul would say in Colossians, to do all things to the glory of God with all of our strength is what it looks like to fulfill this commandment. Um, I assume that you're like me and sort of holding up this commandment I become quickly aware of how much I don't do all these things, like with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength. The truth is, is when I look at my life, um, I'm actually still cutting portions, right? Like, well, you can have this strength, but kind of now I just need some downtime to myself or something, right? And I think what this commandment helps us diagnose is when we don't give God everything, it's because we don't love Him enough. Um, 
which is part of our confession. Right? We've not loved you with our whole hearts. Um, and here I think, and this is sort of the sort of concluding thing I want to leave you with, is uh, the way we can grow in love for God is by practicing obedience on the one hand, but asking for the gift of love. To add into our occasional prayers, Lord, give me the gift of love. Help me to love you more. Right? Love, is a, it says in, in Romans, he shed his love abroad in our hearts. God is the author and source of love. Right? We can't just conjure it like, oh, I'm going to love God more. But we, we can lean into loving God more. It is actually an act of love itself to want to love more. Right? Have you ever encountered that with your spouse or best friend? That you, you actually want to love them more than you see yourself doing. Right? That's love that has that feeling and that desire. Same thing with God. So if today you think, yeah, I would like to love God more, that reveals that you do love God. And if you ask him for more love, he, he will give it to you. So I encourage you to, to ask him. In fact, actually, um, let me pray a prayer of asking him together. So if you'd pray with me. Um, Father, you have already placed a love for yourself in our hearts through your Holy Spirit. And we ask that you would fan that love into a, a stronger flame that you would increase our love for you as manifest in the life of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. Lord, may we love you more because you have loved us so much in your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.